Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Born to Talk Radio Show. I'm your host, Marsha Witeka. Conversations plus connections equals community. Those are my three C's. The heart of my show is what's your story? It's my belief we all have stories. Some are similar, others are uniquely different. Storytelling brings the passions of my guests to life through our conversations. So be prepared to be entertained, informed, and inspired. Welcome to today's show. Well, howdy doody, everybody, and welcome to the Born to Talk radio show podcast. And my guest today is John Muse. Welcome to the show, John. Hi. Thanks for having me. Oh, it is. It is truly my pleasure, and I want to just tell our listeners just a little snippet. So, John Muse, and I'm going to spell that. I did that on a Facebook Live, and I and I and I was live, and I was spelling M E W E. No, John Muse. His last name is spelled M E W S, and he is the founder of Music Moves. And it's very clever how he took those last name and spelled it Muse Music as M E W S I C. It's very, very clever on your part, John. He is a neurological musical therapist for children and adults with special needs. And he's also a family and parenting coach and associate mar- marriage and family therapist. John has been working with families and children for, with special needs for the past 15 years. And after he completed his bachelor's degree in music therapy, he started his own private practice, which is what we're going to be talking about today. And over the years, and you will hear about this, he's witnessed the amazing power of music to transform lives and relationships for the better. And I just want to say one more thing, John, before we start our actual conversation, because I do get, I, you do get to talk, is thanks <laughs> to our local chamber, the LAX Coastal Chamber of Commerce, that's where you and I made our first connection. That's where you and I met. And from that point forward, I'm, I'm your fan. I, I'm going to be in charge of your fan club. So um, if you wouldn't mind, let's, let's get started by letting our listeners know a little bit about yourself. Can you can share with us uh, your background? I'd love to have you share that with our listeners. Yeah, for sure. So I'm actually a, a Canadian native. Um, I was born and raised in Newfoundland, so on the East Coast in Canada, um, so for some of the listeners, um, I'd also want to make a plug um, for the musical Come From Away. Um, it's a musical that was actually set um, sharing the story about Newfoundlanders taking in um, people from all over the world when their planes got diverted during 9-11. So that's mm. actually where I was born and raised, was in Newfoundland. Um, I was born and raised in a musical family. My mom was a singer, um, and her dad um, unfortunately passed away when she was quite young, but he was a musician as well. So born and raised in a, a musical family and um, using music my whole life as therapy, pretty much. Um, I tell people I got through my teenage years um, alive because of music. And um, so then um, it kind of led me into um, studying music therapy in Vancouver. So I moved to Vancouver, British Columbia, and that's where I studied music therapy and fell in love with Vancouver. Uh, it was kind of like California of Canada for me at that time. And then in 2013, I transitioned and moved um, here to California in Los Angeles and 
set up my practice here in Los Angeles in 2013. Well, that's it's a, it's a great story, and I hadn't I so come from come from any anywhere any what was the name of the of the, of the video it, that it, you're referring. The musical is actually it's on Broadway it's in New York, uh-huh. um, and it's it's they traveled all over the world, and it's come from away a w a y, and that's you know actually what, that's a big. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the saying in Newfoundland. If you're not from the island, they say you're from away. And so a part of the musical, and they chose that title because they were welcoming you from whichever part of the world. And we're like, you know, uh, the tradition of Newfoundlanders, they're very hospitable. So they're like, you know what, you're a complete stranger to us. You have tragedy right now in your country, um, and we will take you in. So come from away, come from wherever you are. And we will um, we will house you, we will feed you, we will support you. Um, so that's the very traditional type of Newfoundlander. So there's actually a musical out right now, and it's actually won Tony Award. Um, so that's that's my homeland. I actually was wow. raised. I I'm probably about 45 minutes from the Gander Airport, so I'm only 45 minutes away. So that's that's um, that's the story of uh, Come From Away. Wow, that's very interesting. I'll have to check that out. So we've we've mentioned the fact. That there's music therapy. That this is your, this is your career. But from for many of us, including myself, I don't really know what music therapy is. So tell me, tell me what is musical? What music therapy is? So this is the age-old question um, that <laughs> you know everybody asks. Really, um, in my opinion, I I truly believe all music is therapeutic. Um, but actually, in the nineteen 19- Early 1950s, during World War II, is actually when um, the music therapy profession um, began, began as a professional profession. And what was happening during that time, um, during World War II, um, a lot of the veterans that were, you know, perhaps shot or had severe injury, um, the nurses just naturally were singing to them, maybe just trying to probably heal them their own selves from the trauma that they were experiencing, but they were finding that a lot of the patients or the war veterans were needing less medication. They were reporting less symptoms of pain when the nurses were, were singing. And so the medical team were like, this is kind of fascinating. Like, what's happening here? So then they, of course, they band together and they started talking about music and how music really affects us overall. And that's when uh, the National Music Therapy Association began, was in 1949. So the music therapy field, as a professional field, has been a credentialed um, field for since the 1949, really. And so basically, music therapy is, in my opinion, it's you know it's an accredited therapy like marriage and family therapy, social work, occupational therapy, physical therapy. So we have to go through all of the training modules um, like any other typical therapist, Um, and it's heavily based in music interventions. So there's a bachelor, there's a master's, and there's also a Ph.D. in music therapy. And our training, uh, the initial training, is a four-year degree in Bachelor of Music, so heavily based in music, music music theory. So you have to really know a lot about music. Um, to be in the music therapy profession and the the schooling and the education. 
and then you do two to three years of intensive study on music and psychology, music and medicine. Um, you know, we, we had to learn about all the different um, medical diagnosis and psych, psychiatric diagnosis and, and how music interventions can really help with varying different populations. So after you finish your degree, you have to do a 1,500-hour um, internship where you work with an accredited uh, supervisor, and then there's a board certification exam that you have to write in order to be an accredited um, music therapist. So what is music therapy? Music therapy to me is, you know, the, uh, it's the clinical application of music to really help with non-musical goals. So if somebody is having trouble with speech, um, and I'm, I'm sure a lot of your viewers and, um, have heard of Gabby Gifford, right? Gabby Gifford mm, yes. was a congresswoman, right? Mm -hmm. So she, was, mm -hmm. she had a brain injury, um, a very tragic, uh, tragic accident, and mm -hmm. she lost her ability to speak. And it was actually the application of music therapy and primarily music therapy, uh, neurologic music therapy, that really helped her regain her speech. So we oh. take music as the tool to really, really apply in our interventions and in our goal process to really help with non-musical goals. So it could be speech. It could be motor control. Um, one of the top treatments right now for Parkinson's is actually neurologic music therapy. So applying music and rhythm to really help with motor control, um, uh, there just is so much more. That's the two that first come to mind. So speech, motor control. Um, also, a, a lot of work is being done um, with seniors um, using music to really decrease a lot of the symptomologies of Alzheimer's and dementia. Um, you know, you, we've all seen those videos of, you know, the, the senior that can't even remember what they had for lunch, but then you sing that one song and they just know every single word. Um, but, you know, they've, they've lost their memory, right? Um, so music is the, the uh, music therapy is the application of music to really work on non-musical goals. That's, that's so well spoken, John, because you're right. I, I was thinking about as you were speaking, I have a friend that drives a woman that has um, dementia and fairly, mm -hmm. fairly, fairly into her dementia. She's had it for quite some time. She's nonverbal. But when they're driving in the car, my friend puts on the radio that the woman who doesn't communicate really bursts into song and can sing along with every song. It, it's it's yeah. pretty remarkable that the brain can do that. And I like the way you said it. Music therapy isn't to help you get a job on um, Broadway. It isn't to have a musical, no. a musical career. It is truly therapy. So yeah. there had to be a reason, I would think. I mean, you mentioned that you come from a musical background. But what was the reason that you chose to, to be part of musical therapy? So this could be a podcast in and of its own. <laughs> it's my, <laughs> well, my, we'll musical, my musical story. <laughs> so <laughs> I'll do the best to summarize it up. But um, – even from a very, very young age, um, actually at the age of four, I had to have a, a very intense um, surgical procedure, and it was actually the medical team. I was probably hospitalized for maybe a month. I was bedridden for a month. 
Um, I even had to actually learn how to walk all over again after the procedure because I was bedridden for so long. And at the age of four, uh, the nursing, the nursing staff, the medical staff, the doctors made such an imprint on my life and um, was such an impact for me that I'm like, I, I want to be a doctor. Like even from a very young age, that's all I said, I want to be a doctor. Now, mind you, I grew up in a very musical home. I started playing the piano at the age of three. Um, you know, so my mom was very, very focused on musicality and me being a musician and just, just being the natural musician that I was born to be. Um, so, of course, you know, mother's guilt. Um, she was kind of mortified, really, when I told her that I was going to probably go into medicine or to be a nurse or, or to be in the helping profession anyhow. So she was really upset, and she said, you know, I really believe you're super talented, and why don't you pursue music as a career? You know, do your degree in music. So, of course, I'm a, I'm a mama's boy. I wanted to please my mom, so I, um, I did my music degree. And sadly, um, I tell people what happened. I learned how to hate music in my music degree, which is very, very unfortunate. Um, hmm. Because for me, as I said prior, music has always been therapy for me. As a little kid, you know, I've experienced some challenges in my life along the way. Um, even, you know, being an openly gay man and being raised in a very Christian family, music was the only way for me to, like, work through my challenges, to work through my frustration. So sitting at the piano was, was an outlet for me. And it was a hobby, but it was also therapeutic for me. So my music degree became everything that music therapy is not, which is very competitive. It had to be perfect. It had to sound a certain way. It had to be this. And it was very cerebral. And music for me is about being in your body and the effects of music. So I didn't enjoy it. Um, I was literally failing. And my faculty advisor pulled me aside, and, you know, during my third year of studies. And she's like, hey, you know, let's talk about where you're going to do your master's in music. And I wasn't very polite, and I'm like, F this. I'm like, I hate music. Mm -hmm. And so she was she was quite perplexed, and she was like, well, but why are you failing deliberately? And I was like, well, this is not what I want. This is not my passion. And she said, what do you really, really want to do? And I said, I want to be a doctor. I said, I want to help people. I want to make a difference in the world. And, you know, this was like 20 years ago, so music therapy was still fairly new, um, I'm from Newfoundland, so a little small island. I've never heard of music therapy, and I think God and the angels and whatever, the universe put in mind, had her in my life, and she turned around in her bookshelf, and she pulled out this book, and it was case studies in music therapy, and she gave it to me, and she said, I think this is what you need to do. She, I think this is the career for you. And I kind of laughed her in the face because at that time I'm like, music therapy, what kind of quack is that? <laughs> <laughs> and she was like, no, no, no. She said, take this home and read it because she said music and medicine, this is what music therapy is, is combining music and medicine. She said, you can work in amazing fields. You can work in hospitals. You can work with kids. You can work with seniors. You could even work in prisons, you know. Um, so I took this book home and I couldn't put it down. I read through all of these case studies, how music therapy helped children with autism, how music therapy helped patients that were going through cancer treatments, and how it helped reduce their pain management, and just story after story and case study after case study of music applications 
to really make a difference in people in different medical settings. And I was hooked. I'm like, this is it. This is totally what I'm supposed to be doing. I fell in love with it immediately as I was reading these amazing stories and case vignettes. And I was like, where do I go? This is what I need to do. So that's when I applied um, to go to uh, Capilano University, actually, in North Vancouver. Um, so I moved from little Birch Bay town in Newfoundland, um, and I flew to the big city in Vancouver, and that's where I studied music therapy. So it was actually my faculty advisor that led me to music therapy. Um, it wasn't something that I ever, ever considered. I didn't even know the career existed, actually, 20 years ago. What I'm curious to know about, because obviously this faculty advisor had an enormous impact on your life. Are you still in Absolutely. touch with her today? Oh, she must be so proud of no, you. No, I, I oh. totally lost touch with her. Oh. Um, but the interesting piece of this, Marsha, is I, I said to her, I'm like, but how how did you know about this? How did you even know to have this book in your in your library? And she said, you know what? She said, many, many years ago, she said, when I was choosing my career path, she said, it was either continuing music education or being in music therapy myself. Hmm. And she said, I had this book, and I was holding on to this book for somebody that I knew would be a perfect fit for this profession. And she said, this book has sat in my library for years and years and years, and she said, and you're it. You're the person. So she, I too, every day, she's, I too, still think about, you know, should I have done music therapy? And she said it, it was an option for me, but she, I chose to go more the education route and teach and be a professor. Um, but she said I still think of becoming a music therapist every day. And she, said, this is this is for you. Wow, and you knew it. I mean, that was, I'm I'm sure that that was just very catapulting for you. Is there is it a Absolutely. long process to train for, for that degree? Is it is it is it more than four years? How what is the the process for for training to be a musical therapist? So the the bachelor is so different different uh, different states and different there's different programs all throughout. But the program that I um, applied to, you needed two years of music uh, training. So either at a college level or maybe even a degree in music. I would say probably 50% of the people in my class were coming into the music therapy program with a Bachelor of Music. So I had three years of music, so I had all the prerequisites in music. You needed to you know, have advanced theory. You had to come in with a major instrument, um, history of music, so a very intensive music uh, background. And then you would apply to go into the music faculty. So that's year three and year four. So year three and year four is the training towards music therapy applications, um, kind of like I said earlier about, you know, learning all the different medical diagnosis and how music, you know, music in the brain and biology. And so how to connect music to um, different medical um, diagnoses or different medical situations. Um, so that's year three and four, and then there's a 1,500-hour internship process after that, right. and then it's it's a licensure exam after that. And now wow. also there's there's other new trainings that are coming up or has come up probably within the last 10 years or so. 
So some music therapists like myself, um, there's also advanced training as well. So kind of like, you know, any doctor has a specialist. Well, now you can also have a specialist as music therapist. So there's a a program called NICU, uh, which is a specialty program for working with infants um, in, um, in intensive care. So kind of like working with preemies and stuff. So there's a lot of music therapists doing amazing work right now um, by singing, helping reduce the heart rate, um, and also helping. There's actually a really cool thing right now. There's a music therapist that created a music pacifier. So when the baby would suck on the pacifier, the, the, there was a recording of the parents singing to the baby. And so there's been a lot of research that's been showing when you use music and singing, um, you know, babies are recovering faster and getting out of the hospital quicker when they're in the NICU. So that's an advanced training. And there's also the advanced training that I have is in neurologic music therapy. Um, So specializing in any neurological injury or neurological um, disorders. So Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, cerebral palsy, um, all of these things fall in the category of, of neurologic as well. So we, I, there's I, additional I, training that you can have. But also, I, as I, I said prior, there's also a master's in music mm-hmm. therapy, and there's also a PhD, a PhD as well in music therapy. Wow. Well, I mean, I, I'm just sitting here, and I'm listening to what you're saying, and just thinking of I had a child – that was in ICU right after birth, not 12, less than 12 hours after she was born. She was rushed to ICU to a different hospital. And um, it, it's really interesting that, that to have, I mean, it's just mind-boggling what can happen today and the technology today is just pretty remarkable. So you've been doing this since 2013, or have you been practicing longer than that? Oh, I've been practicing actually since – I'm an oldie. I've been practicing okay. since 2004. Oh, so I graduated okay. – yeah, so 15, 15 years now pretty much. Oh, okay. But something yeah. specifically happened, and that's maybe where my confusion came in, is that um, – I was it in 2013 when you started your, your private practice? I started my private practice in Canada in 2004. And it was okay. 2013 that I moved to Los Angeles. So in 2013, and then what did you do? I transitioned. And I, I started my business all over, <laughs> which is not that and easy, but yeah, no. I started my private practice all over. Which is, which is Music Moves, correct? You are the founder music, of that. Music. Yes, I yeah. founded it in 2004, yeah. Well, I think that it's really great. Uh, I, I would so recommend that people – visit your website and I certainly have hyperlinked it in our my first blog and I will certainly hyperlink it in the the second blog because first of all I think your website is beautifully designed and I I don't know I am plus the fact John as I put my as I clutch my heart you personally have the most remarkable voice and I know you play the piano. I don't know if you play any other instruments besides the piano. Do you play other instruments? Yes, I do. I play guitar, and I also play saxophone. Oh, goodness. Well, I could just see you trying out for the voice, but I don't think you have time for that necessarily. But <laughs> clearly, if you did, um, every every coach would want you on their team because when I hear you sing, personally, when I hear you sing, 
you make me weep. And if we have time towards the end of the show, I have um, something that's queued up on your website that's from Sesame Street, I believe you said, called One Small <laughs> Voice. And uh, you you have a beautiful voice. But I well, would like you. to continue. You really do. And, uh, and I know you've, you've seen in choirs and things like that. But I, I think that in the effort of I, this could so easily be a two-hour show, but we'll, and maybe it'll be a part two show, but I think for this point, what I'd like to know is, what are what are your clients' specific needs to participate in music therapy? You mentioned autism. What are some mm-hmm. of the other conditions that people might have? So when I first founded my company, uh, actually, if you told me, if you were to tell me. I don't know, 15 years ago that I would be having my own private practice and I would be like, you are crazy because <laughs> I grew <laughs> up in a family with a dad that had his own business and I just knew how challenging it was to have your own business and my dad's head was into the business all the time and I never wanted that. I wanted to you know, work for the man or work in a hospital and have a consistent paycheck and whatnot. So I was really surprised. Um, one of the choruses that I sang in Vancouver, I used to sing in the Vancouver Men's Chorus, and uh, you know, contemplating after graduation, right? Like most students do, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And I wasn't even sure which population I was going to work with because my internship, I was actually working in an inpatient psychiatric unit, part time, and I was also working part time in uh, end of life. So working with clients that were in their last two weeks of life and providing music for them, transitioning mm-hmm. and whatnot. So special needs was something that wasn't really even on the in the plate for me or even in my thought process. Um, however, um, you know, my own personal story, I grew up with an uncle that had special needs. So special needs has kind of been a part of my whole life, but I didn't really recognize that for me as a career. So this gentleman, friend of mine in the chorus in Vancouver, he was asking me questions about music therapy. And he said to me, he said, I have a girl in my class. And he was working in a life skills class. So all of the class had kids with special needs, primarily autism. And he said, there's a girl, he said that the only way she can communicate with us is through music. He said, we can't, like, her attention span is short, everything, like, but he said, the only thing that really ignites her is music. And he said, I'm just wondering if, if you can work with her or meet them or, you know, maybe try music therapy with her. So that was 15 years ago, uh, beginning of October. That was my very first client. Um, and I started working with her in my own on my own. And that's when I founded my company. And ever since then, um, the special needs community just like sought me out. So under the category, like a lot of the special needs that I've been working with, probably primary, primarily autism. That's probably been maybe 70 to 80% of, of the clients that have been referred to me. And also under that category, um, uh, cerebral palsy. A lot of kids mm-hmm. with cerebral palsy, so being able to work on motor control um, through music, dancing, drumming, all of that stuff. Um, Down syndrome. As well, a lot of kids with Down syndrome having challenges with, you know, communication skills and also sometimes even with motor control as well. Um, so primarily under that, um, you know, that's probably the most clients that I work with. 
Um, but over the last few years, we've been getting a lot, a lot of um, referrals and recommendations to work with kids with learning disabilities and attention deficit um, challenges as well. Well, it, based on how you've described this, that certainly makes sense. I can see where whether you have an attention deficit disorder or you're maybe nonverbal, that you know from your training that music yeah. gets in. And yeah. I know myself, music certainly calms me down. Um, mm-hmm. I I love music. I, I mean, I really do love music and i it's i can't imagine it's like i i think of music as the universal language you don't even have to know the actual spoken language to to even appreciate what you're listening to and maybe it's not even sung maybe it's orchestra it's an orchestra it's a symphony or or it's drumming yeah. like you mentioned it could i mean it's there's just something about music that unites us Regardless if you were growing up in Canada or you're in Uruguay and you're singing along with a song and I'm looking at you going, how do you know this song? He said, well, I learned English. It's not my language, but I learned to speak mm-hmm. my English through music. And I was just, well, I just never really thought about that. So I, I can see the, the tremendous benefits. And And speaking of that, I suppose, how are you seeing the benefits um um, manifesting through these children with special needs? So a large part of it is the communication piece, right? Mm-hmm. So the different ways of communicating, um, you know, a, a lot of kids with special needs fall under, you know, they have a communication disorder or they have difficulty with speech and articulation and whatnot. Um, so a lot of families will seek out, in addition to speech therapy, they're like, well, we also hear that, you know, if, if you apply music, you know, it's you're quicker to speak or able to sing without music. And I'm like, well, it goes back to Gabby Gifford, right? She was able to sing, but she wasn't able to speak. So that is a lot of the work that I do is really helping with speech and articulation. But through all of it, a lot of the things that we see as well is the different regulation parts. So a lot of kids with autism, you know, are really in – this heightened sense, um, really anxious. You see it coming through with them trying to regulate them. Some of them do the repetitive hand flapping or they repeat words over and over and over. And a lot of it for me is I I see that as kind of like, almost like anxiety, right? So they have this Mm -hmm. anxiety or trying to find their way in the world. They're trying to like communicate. They're trying to connect. And some of the most beautiful, amazing responses that I've seen that I wish I could have more video and a lot of parents don't like us taking videos of their kids but I just want parents to be able to see the transformation that happens Um, so for instance I I want to share a story just last week I'm working with um, this boy he's seven years old Um, he has uh, a diagnosis of autism moderate functioning autism and we're really working on, you know, um, first of all, him being able to, like, attend to the music, um, being able to play together. Is he able to, like, understand when I stop? What does he do? Does he even recognize that I'm there playing with him? And so one of the things that I've been noticing is is the regulation piece as well, beyond, beyond all the other goals that we're working on. 
So just two weeks ago, um, just prior to our session, the mom called me, and she was really, really upset. And she's like, I'm not really sure if music is going to be appropriate today. She said, you know, my son had a difficult time at school. He was trying to communicate, and, you know, he, he acted out, and he got kicked out of school. And so she had in his mind, he doesn't understand the concept of like, okay, well, yeah, I acted out, but what's going on? What's happening? I'm a bad boy, you know? And so she said, he's just perseverating on this over and over and over. And she said, he's pacing in the kitchen. And she said, all he's saying is bad boy, bad boy, bad boy. And she said, he is super anxious and he's really upset. And she said, I think music right now, because a lot of people see music as, you know, well, this is noise and I can't add noise, more noise to this. And I could overstimulate, right? Which you can sometimes. And so the mom was like, I, I think we might we might need to cancel. And I said, please don't. I said, let, let's try. Okay. And I said, and if he does get overstimulated, um, but I said, I'm pretty sure in my experiences and what I've seen over the years, I'm like, music is going to help him calm right now. So I went in and one of the, one of the things that we do as music therapists that, you know, a lot of people say, well, why can't you play a CD or, you know, pre-recorded music? Isn't that music therapy? Well, one of the things that we're trained to do is really match where the client is at. So, you know, this this boy was at a very high frequency. He was pacing. And if I went in with just a very slow, slow song, um, it's not matching where he's at. And if anything, it was probably irritating, right? I don't I don't know if you've ever put on that song sometimes and you're like, oh, I hate it. i got to turn it off, right? Right. I really say that that's about our frequency, right? Our bodies are all made up of rhythm, frequency, vibration. And if the vibration is not matching, we could actually get overstimulated or get annoyed, right? So as music therapists, we do a lot of body scanning and a lot of work. We're watching, you know, watching breathing rates. We're watching how they're pacing, how they're moving their arms. And then we would accompany music to match their rhythm. So this boy was pacing all over the kitchen, and I was watching his feet. And he would go fast, and then he would go slow, and he would go fast. And I was watching his feet, and so then I started joining him, and I was playing on the drum what he was walking and his pacing. So I was playing the same rhythm as he was stepping. And then in probably 30 seconds in, he cued in, and I could tell he knew I was playing what he was playing because he looked at me in the corner of his eye, and he smiled, mm-hmm. but he kept pacing. And so then him and I, without even talking – him and I were playing this little game where he was like, oh, what if I, what if I pace faster? Would he drum faster? So he did. He started pacing faster. I started drumming faster, and then he'd slow down, and I'd slow down. So we had this interactive play moment, but I was using him and his rhythm as a way of connecting. And Marcia, within probably four minutes, he came and sat on the couch, and I could see it in his body. Everything has been released. He's now smiling, and I looked at him, and I said, how are you? And he said, I'm a good boy. I'm okay. Oh, gosh. Was the mom, oh, my gosh, was the mom witnessing this herself? Was she, she watching was, this? Yep. She was in the kitchen, and she was she was pretending, drying the dishes, <laughs> but I could see she was watching every moment. And she said to me after, she's like, I, I, can't, I can't believe my eyes. Like, I can't believe my eyes. She said, I have no idea. She said, how to regulate my son? 
But she said, I totally get it. I totally get it now. She said, how you used his rhythm, his anxiety to really help curve him in to a state of calm or relaxed. But she said, you didn't come in playing calm music. I said, no, I didn't. And she said, wow. She said, I, I'm, she said I, I, I can't believe this. And she had tears in her eyes. And I said, this is what I do every day. And I said, this is what I love. It's the little things. And it's watching music and how different music interventions can really, really get into the souls or get into the heart or get into the rhythm of a lot of these kids with special needs that a lot of people don't understand. And they're like, I, I, don't, know, I don't know how to reach them or I don't know how to help them with this behavior or this or that. Um, and I, I've seen it over and over and over and over of how different music interventions can achieve that. And I, I, wow. I get it all the time from parents, you know, sadly, because, again, you know, we're an emerging field, and I want m- more people to know about music therapy, and it is an evidence-based therapy. But mm-hmm. a lot of families will choose music as the last resort. They're like, I tried this, I tried that, I tried this, and I read some article about music, and oh, I'm just trying it as a last resort. And I would say out of those people that tried music as a last resort, I would say probably 60 or 70% of them said to me, I wish we did music first. Exactly. I wish this was my first choice. Oh, my because gosh. Because for me I as could, well, oh. over the years, I've collaborated with a lot of speech therapists, with a lot of physical therapists, with a lot of... Uh, occupational therapists, behavioral therapists. So I love working collaboratively, and I still do. And so a lot of what's in music is all-encompassing, right? So if you're playing a drum and singing, we can be working on two or three goals all at the same time. So mm-hmm. drumming is a motor, motor movement, right? So we could be working on motor goals while yet we're also working on speech and articulation at the same time, and we're also working on regulation. So a lot of the music therapy programs are all-encompassing. And for me, it's a little bit of OT. It's a little bit of speech. It's a little bit of physical therapy. It's a little bit of behavioral therapy. Um, So I collaborate, and I I encompass all of it into my music therapy sessions with kids with special needs. I'm just curious, um, and this is a real generalization question, but do you find that there are more boys than there are girls that are your clients? Yes. Or is yes. It, it, uh, especially with yeah. autism. Auti- the rate of autism, autism, I think, are like, yep. yeah, I think, I forget, I'm probably going to screw this up, but I'll have to look No, that's up. a, but, uh, yeah. I, I think it's like one, one in four are girls. Like for every four boys, there's like one girl with autism or something right. like that. So the rates are much higher in boys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's been my. I have friends that are school teachers, and I have I have friends that have autistic children, and and primarily they're they're they are boys. What what do you think is what's different between music lessons and music therapy? Is there a, there there must be a difference between the two, right? Yes, and I want you to connect. My first blog ever. <laughs> so many, okay. many years ago, yeah, I uh, it's on my website. It's the first blog I ever wrote, and it's called Music Therapy is Not Music Lessons. Because <laughs> wow. I would get so many phone calls from parents, and they're like, you know, I, I still do, right? Because they were so immersed in music classes and music performance and, you know, music coaching and all this. 
And so that's kind of our frame of reference is, oh, we're going to learn music. We're going to learn how to sing or we're going to learn how to play the guitar. So I get this question all the time from parents like, so in music therapy, are you going to teach my son how to play guitar? Are you going to teach him how to play the piano? And I'm like, no, not at all. No. Um, sometimes we do use music instructions and, and, and music, uh, learning music as a part of the therapy, but that's not what it is. So on the blog, I kind of highlighted that music classes, well, first of all, music classes are mostly run by music educators that really have probably very limited experience and or education with special needs. So the way that a child receives music, the way that a child learns with special needs is very, very different than most typical children. So a lot of these teachers are taught very, uh, you know, old school ways of like, okay, we're going to practice, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. And so we've been finding that a lot of families that put their kiddos in a music class that had autism were completely getting lost because they're not attending to all the words the teacher's talking too much, you know, they're getting overstimulated by the lights buzzing above, and so they weren't able to keep up. And a large part of music classes, too, is, is based, like my music degree, it's more, it's more based on the performance and the output. So we're working well, towards I... something in order to have an output, right? We're going to do guitar lessons, and we're going to do a performance, or we want you to perfect this instrument, and that's not at all what music therapy is. We do actually. I always say I would prefer to work with non-musicians because musicians yeah. are coming into music therapy with this headset or mindset that music's got to be perfect. And I'm like, that's not what music therapy is. Music therapy, as I said before, is about matching where you're at, matching your vibration, matching your rhythm, and matching so that we can take music and then transition to a different place. That makes so total sense. Is yeah, it's not a music class, it's not music lessons, um, you know, and yeah, some like this, this boy, I'm actually using the ukulele, and he's learning how to play the ukulele, but for me, I'm helping him learn how to p play the ukulele and talking about when he feels anxious or when he feels scared, instead of ruminating and pacing around the kitchen, maybe we can pick up the ukulele and learn and play a couple of your favorite songs, and in that, that's mindfulness. Oh boy, you're you know, not kidding. Kiddo, yeah. So learning how to play a new instrument, you gotta you gotta focus on putting your finger here and it goes there and it goes there. And so we can't really occupy fear in our minds when we're mindful. Like they both can right. exist at the same time. So I do ukulele or teach a lot of the kiddos different music um, strategies, which kind of looks like a music lesson, but it has a therapeutic intent. It's like, okay, I'm helping him right now have a skill set that when he feels anxious, or even some kids with depression, like when I feel sad or when I feel anxious, you know, I'm going to open up my book and I'm going to play two or three of my favorite songs. And that is part of mindfulness, a distraction strategy, right, to get me out of my negative thoughts, to get me out of panic, to get me out of worry. Um, so when we do teach, music interventions or music kind of class stuff, stuff um, we're kind of more focused on the therapeutic intention. It's like, okay, what are they going to do with this? What is this for? How is it going to help them? 
So there's some goal attached to that. Like even on the piano, I work with uh, as a neurologic music therapist, so a lot of people that have dexterity problems, so I would teach them skills on the piano to help keep their fingers, you know, mobile and flexible. Um, so the music instruction has a, has a therapeutic goal and intent than just we're learning music. And you mentioned the neurological music, and, and there is a difference. You just now said about dexterity. What are some of the other differences about being the, on the neurological side as opposed to the non-neurological side? Is, is, there, is there a different strategy? So, yes, uh, neurologic music therapy, I guess, gave birth. <laughs> I can't mm-hmm. find a better word right now. I, I emerged, okay? Neurologic mm-hmm. music therapy emerged probably maybe maybe 15 or 20 years ago. And a lot of neurologists were fascinated with this concept of how can somebody sing but not be able to talk? Like, what, what is that about? Like, and, you know, not even just singing. How, how is it when somebody is drumming for five minutes and then their motor control seems so much more smoother? And, you know, like, what happened? So neurologists wanted to study the brain and music. So a bunch of, I call them neurals, a bunch of neurals got together and they're like, let's do a study and let's research what happens in the brain when music is applied. So whether we're listening or whether we're playing. And, you know, because we, before that, we always thought, well, music is stored in the right side, the creative person, right? So music lives on the right side of the brain. So that's all they knew. And, and when they did their research and they did all their PET scans and CAT scans and all the other scans that uh, applied in, in neurology, their research came out and they said, this is what they said verbatim, they said the entire brain lit up like a Christmas tree. And they were like, this is fascinating. This is probably one of the only stimuluses or stimuli on the planet that activates the entire brain. And so they're like, this totally makes sense because if there's an injury, like let's just say speech, right? We, we will call it an injury or a deficit. If there's an injury in a part of your brain, well, it totally makes sense that if you use music, because if we use music, now with the whole you know, new science of neuroplasticity and you know what they thought one time that if you had an injury in your brain, it was never recoverable, so now because of neuroplasticity, we're learning that, you know, your brain can actually create a new neural pathway if you practice it. So this totally gave – this was the emerging of neurologic music therapy. So neurologists and music therapists joined together, and one of the founders, the guy that, you know, did all of the legwork, and Dr. Michael Taut, T-H-A-U-T, um, he created 21 – different neurologic music therapy interventions that are scientifically proven to help people with any neurological injury or disorder. So Alzheimer's, autism, cerebral palsy, Huntington's disease, Parkinson's stroke, traumatic brain injury, um, all of these fall under the category. And it's, it's based on melodies, harmony, rhythm, and different phrases. So our brain is also attuned to music. So if I sang Twinkle, Twinkle, Little, and most people would just go, stop, right? Right. So these are all things. This is a combination of rhythm. This is a combination of sound. This is a combination of, like, pacing, actually. 
Um, so all these things are going on in our brain and it's prepping us for what's coming next. So this was kind of the basis of neurologic music therapy. They're like, we want, we want to create these interventions because we know that music is processed in all areas of the brain. So why not use music and learning math? Why not use applied music while helping somebody regain their uh, mobility, such as Parkinson's? Right? Why not use music to help somebody shift their emotional state of, you know, I'm feeling sad to this other place? So if music is processed in, the, in all areas of the brain, we can actually apply music to excel and speed up some of these goals. So like Gabby Giffords, you know, Gabby Giffords, I, I, yeah. I, think, mm-hmm. I think she did six months and she was able to like label different objects. And she started with singing and then they transitioned the singing part and the rhythm of singing into, um, into speech. And actually there's another video on my website. Um, it's called Sing Then Speak. I work with a little boy. The mom said, again, you know, music therapy is a last resort, but she's like, I had him in this, I had him in that. And she said, he's not able to put three words together. Like, mm-hmm. I want, and she had the third word. It's so difficult. So his favorite song was Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. And we tend to use familiar songs because those songs are kind of what, what's already stored in our memory banks. So I used Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. And within six weeks, he went from uh, using the song and we would apply, you know, words that he would need to use in everyday life. So I want more food. I want more whatever. I want a rest. I want whatever. So I would use Twinkle Twinkle Little Star and fill in the words, different words of everyday life. And I think it was within the sixth week, sixth or seventh week, he was able to sing six words together conjointly. And the, t- the tune was like, I want more piano, please. Hmm. And he was able to sing that all within six weeks. Yep. Wow, that's how gratifying that must be. That's, that's so it sounds like um, do your clients come to you or do you go to them or do you have a combination of the two? Well, I have a combination of the two. Um, we do a concierge style service, I guess you would call it. Um, mm-hmm. So most of our practice right now, we travel to homes, we go to schools, um, we go to treatment centers. Um, so most of my team uh, travel, uh, but also we have, an office space one day of the week for now in Santa Monica. Um, and, you know, we know that once we start launching more programs in the new year, it's definitely going to grow. So we have a, a space in Santa Monica. And then my next location, I'm working on a space for the new year um, in the South Bay area. So that will service Redondo Beach, Huntington, um, you know, all of that area. Nice. That's, that's terrific. I, you know, I really do want to remind people that um, even while we're talking, um, you can be listening to the show and you can still go over to John's uh, web page because it, it really is, like you said, your first blog is there. It's a beautifully constructed um, page, John. So John Muse moves. So it's just so it doesn't say that's not the name of the of the of this page. It's music, M E W S I C moves dot com. By going to musicmoves.com, you will see not only a picture of John, but you'll see all of the things that we're talking about, which I, 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 which leads me into the next question. And I know we're just going to run out of time, but that's okay. We'll just keep going. And that is your Glee Choir, which I actually have um, hyperlinked that YouTube 
on my website to not only listen to these young people sing, but you also take time out to have some of the families speak because this is not just a one-person experience. This child has these disabilities, and I don't even know of special needs. Let's use that word instead. And it's a family affair, and Absolutely. it involves the families. And uh, I that 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 YouTube is fabulous. So, and I know we don't have a lot of time left, but I would like you to be able to talk a little bit about your Glee Choir because it's pretty cool. It, yeah, this I would I call this my baby. Um, you know, out of all the programs that I've created, I love it. And I, as you said before, you know, the, the different successes that we see, I love watching or having kids refer to me when a doctor or somebody says, oh, he can't do this, or a teacher says she can't do that, and then we apply music and then they do it. It's like the mm-hmm. most gratifying, most beautiful thing ever. So I was to, um, to talk about the Glee Choir, the gratification part. Um, I was approached by an adult um, day program in Canada, and like here, you know, when the when the adult or the child or the teen leaves school, there's so less programs out there for adults. So they asked mm-hmm. me if I had something that was already created, and I didn't. But because I'm an innovator and a creator, I'm like, okay, tell me what is the need, and I'm going to see if I can create something through music. So I had a dream a long time ago about a choir of little kids singing, and it stayed with me for a very, very long time, and it was super impactful, um, and that's kind of where the Glee Choir emerged. And I created the choir starting with – I only take about 10 people because I want it to be a therapeutic choir. This is not a recreational choir. This is not you know, a community choir. I wanted to have a therapeutic program where a lot of these adults can come together and first of all, just connect because so many of them are at home. I just heard a mom say recently, she said, yeah, my son came home and he got his degree and on the couch. <laughs> so oh. she said, he's not doing anything all day. And she said, the rates of depression are so much higher. And, you know, she said, it's, you know, because it's so important for us to connect. And she said, after they leave school, there's not much for them. So I created the Glee Choir. So in short, it's a 12-week program, and we offer them multiple times throughout the year. It's a 12-week program where they all come with their favorite song, and we learn the song together. And throughout the song and throughout the 12 weeks, I'm interweaving social skills, connection, talking about the songs, making friends. And then at the end of the program, they get a recording of their songs that they all sang together. And sometimes we do a community performance. This is back to the family connection piece. So this is also what propelled me to do my master's in marriage and family therapy because, you know, this, this affects the entire family. And so when we did our very first concert, I said, this is family therapy. This is not a concert. This is a family therapeutic supportive night where we can come together. And some of them, you know, parents are sitting there watching their adult, maybe for the first time, just being who they are. And I was like, this, this, this is it. They probably fought a system for years and years and years. Johnny can't do this. He can't do this. He needs to work on this. He needs to work on this. And through this program, we just really encourage them to be who they are and to connect and have fun through music and then they get in chair. And one of the comments that I received the first time we did the concert back in Canada, 
a gentleman came up to me after and he said, you know, he said, I've been to many concerts throughout my lifetime. Celine Dion, Lady Gaga. He said, I've been to them all. And he said, yes, he said, those concerts have been amazing and has made an impact. But he said, something here tonight, he said, I can't explain. He said, this has been the most magical, most beautiful music I've ever heard. And he said, barely any of them sang in time. They were all off key. <laughs> but mm-hmm. he said, something magical happened. And I said, yeah, I said, they sang from their heart. And I said, you know, kids with special needs, I said, when they do it, they do it all. And I said, especially adults. And I said, you see them coming in week after week and just loving their music, and they're belting out Katy Perry, and they're just singing from their toes. And I'm like, that is one of the most beautiful things to ever witness. It's like, you know, based on whatever they're experiencing, whatever they're doing, but when they're in that musical element, it's like transformative. So that's one of the programs that I'm super passionate about. Um, We're running a program right now in Santa Monica, so we're going to be ending in a few weeks just prior to Christmas. And then in the new year, I'm hoping to branch out and have uh, a few other glee choirs. So, again, we're going to run it again in Santa Monica, and I'm hoping to start one in the South Bay. That's that's, that's wonderful. My my mental brain is thinking about I believe in music, I believe in love, which is one of the videos that's on your website um, from your glee choir. And I'm, right. I'm I'm humming it. I'm humming it while I'm speaking mm-hmm. with you because it hasn't left me. Just like your song about um, what was the name of it again? Uh, one small voice. One, it one hasn't small left voice. me. You know that mm-hmm. that music just touches us. Um, and and you know you've referred to Gabby Gifford, uh, excuse me, quite a bit. And it, it's remarkable. Um, how something like this can happen, and just so that I'm clear, because I, I'm listening, I'm taking notes, I'm I'm trying to you know carry on this conversation, but did you say that the research showed that music activates the entire brain, regardless? That's the the, the is that what you said? Yes. Or did I yep. miswrite that? No, nope. they said okay. the brain lit up like a Christmas tree, so music okay. was processed and showed activation in every part of the brain. Wow. That's, Isn't that fascinating? That's really something. That really is. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, you know, it, it, it's, it's interesting because uh, you, you and I um, met um, prior to doing the, our show together, and, and I knew you were truly special when I met you. And um, your, your motivation and your desires to help young and old, you know, it's not just children, but, you know, you know, people that have an, a need to know that music can be the key that unlocks yeah. that part of your brain and you're not flapping and you're not ruminating yeah. and you're suddenly walking to the beat of that young person and that young person is probably thinking, oh, he gets me. He gets yeah. it. He, yeah. uh, you know, and, yep. and there's that, that connection is just... It's it's life changing, and I would say to anyone listening, you know, not everybody lives lives in this part of the world, the the country. You know, we, you and I are neighbors, but I'm sure that you would tell people that are living in the the East Coast or the middle middle of the country to search out music therapists where you live. Yes. If you find the need to want to have a different 
way of altering the way your child is processing um, life. And you know, if you know, you you've talked about um, physical therapy and these other therapies, but clearly, music therapy is certainly proven to be successful in what you do, and it's it's a remarkable yeah. thing, John. Truly, what you do is just. Fabulous. And Marcia, I, I also want to add one thing here. So if, sure. if wherever you are in the country, if you're looking for a music therapist, you can go to the American Music Therapy Association. They have their own websites. So just Google American Music Therapy Association, and you could search by region, and it will show you all of the music therapists that live in your area. So you can oh, that's that, thank you for saying that. I will include that in my blog, John, so that sure. if somebody wasn't writing that down immediately, they'll be. I'll link that. Um, okay. I will certainly, I will certainly do that. I know that we're really at the end of the show, but it's my show, so I get to do what I want. And <laughs> I had mentioned to you because I'm the boss of me. I had mentioned <laughs> to you that I had your website up on my my computer as we speak. And I just mm-hmm. want to just be quiet for a moment, and I want people to listen to your voice before we say goodbye to each other. So with your permission, may I do that? Absolutely. Sure. Okay. Here we go. Okay, so hopefully that has come through. I don't know how anybody can listen to that and not be overwhelmed with emotion because I've heard it more than once and I'm always left with that emotion. The the words, the melody, and the music, it touches all of us. Whether we have autism or not, music unifies us, John. And um, the way you present and sing, I just would really encourage all of you to visit his page and listen to this. It's three minutes. I, you know, I, I don't want to play all three minutes. Let's let everybody have a taste of what you sing, what you sound like, and encourage people to go over there and listen. But I just, I, I know we had more questions, and we'll just make that a part two because clearly I would want you to come back and catch us up on what your future looks like, especially since you're moving down to the South Bay area. I'm, I'm a story collector. You know that about me. And your stories of hope um, are just beyond compare. I'm, I'm just so delighted that you were able to take the time to be a guest on my show today. It, it's meant a great deal to me, John. Thank you so much. Thank you. You're welcome. So everybody, I'm, I want to just give you a, a little taste. Next week, an entirely different subject, but equally very important. It's going to be all about diabetes. November is 
National Diabetes Night Diabetes Month. And while it is the last uh, Monday in the month and just prior to Thanksgiving, it's a very important show. People don't know a lot about type 1 and type 2 diabetes and what you can do about it. And so um, I will be having a doctor on that will be discussing that subject with our listeners. But for today, I just want you all to just feel the music in you. And uh, I hope that you've all really, truly enjoyed this show. And, John, I look forward to having you join me again. You live nearby. We need to take a walk. And you can just mm-hmm. sing to me. I would love that. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I would love that very much. So until next time, everybody, thanks so much. And I'm going to say goodbye for now. <laughs> 